time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. So this morning, I want us to go right into what we're going to be talking about. One more uh, thing I do want to reiterate, as Aubrey did as well, our campings here at May 17th and 18th. You guys, make sure, because we have limited slots available for that. So we have a certain amount of camping lots. And, you know, normally this place is filled up with tents, and they're actually going to be used uh, for what they were made for. We'll have our tents actually set up in the woods at 11 Mile Canyon. How many of you have been to 11 Mile Canyon before? There's a few of you. How many of you have never been to 11 Mile Canyon? You're like 11 Mile Schmanion. I don't know. Okay, great. So it's a beautiful, beautiful camping place about an hour and a half or so away. We're going to leave that Friday. We'll come back Saturday. I know that's the weekend. Maybe some of you have siblings who are graduating from high country. High country's graduation is that Saturday. So depending on the time, we may be able to make it back before the graduation actually starts. So we just have to figure all of that out. But if you're planning on going, make sure to save up 25 bucks. Really easy. We made it super cheap so everybody could go. Our DLA leaders. How many of you are missing DLA this morning? We have a few of them. We see Adam and Carson, a few others. But the majority of our DLA are still on spring break. But they will be back Wednesday night and Sunday morning. We miss them whenever they're not here. So all of their smiling faces. We're not going to do cadres this morning. So I do have a full-length message and, um, and everything that we're going to get into this morning. So how many of you were here last Wednesday night at DSM in the tent? We started a new series. The name of that series is... Great. Culture of honor. And so, and so I just want us to be really practical today. I want us to be really, really clear on what we mean. What are we talking about whenever we say, gosh, we're working on or that we are creating a culture of honor. A culture of honor. I want to ask you guys something. What do you think of whenever you hear God? What comes to mind? That's rhetorical. You don't have to answer. You guys are good at those. Uh, <laughs> this is one of your, your favorite questions. You don't have to answer. What do you think of whenever you think of God? Do we need extra chairs here? Let's add some chairs so everybody has a seat so we don't have to sit on laps like babies. So grab the, get the extra, get the extra chairs. Thank you so much, Adam. You're going to get on that. So what do you think of whenever you think or whenever you hear God, what comes to mind? What's the first thing that comes to mind? What are some thoughts that come to your head whenever you hear about God? Um, I, I, that's kind of what I want to challenge you. And that's kind of what I want you to be thinking about. One of the things that God, or one of the descriptions that God has given us of himself. That even throughout the ages in eternity, even right now, as we sit here in the theater at New Life Church in Colorado Springs, in this very moment, there are angels gathered around a throne saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And so the big idea in talking about a culture of honor specifically today, and this is a little bit more of a, um, I don't know how you want to say it, a little bit more of a deeper teaching this morning. So for some of you, you're going to be like, man, this is like so much, lots of scripture, lots of context. For some of you, you're going to be like, yes, this is what my heart has been just aching for. And just, I want, I want to know the deep things of God this morning. We're going to go a little bit deep DSM. So this is DSM. This is Desperation Student Ministries. We are challenging you as pastors, myself, Pastor John, Pastor David. We are called, we 
feel like we have this burden from the Lord to call a generation to live in desperate pursuit of Jesus Christ. Not just mediocre, average, cute little youth group, play some games, blow some bubbles, you know, sit on some farting balloons or whatever. And we do all, we have fun, but, but we really honestly believe that we have a mandate, we have this responsibility, we have this thing in our hearts that God has called us to teach you guys how to live in desperate pursuit of God. And every single one of you, just by walking into the doors, coming into desperation, coming into DSM, say, okay, I'm old enough, I'm mature enough, I want to hear God's word, I want to be challenged, I want to learn something, okay? And so, so at different stages of your life, we have children's ministries, we have junior high ministry, we have high school ministry. This is not children's ministry. We expect that you will act and respond and kind of be like teenagers, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 year olds, some of you in ninth grade some of you in sixth, most of you in seventh and eighth. But here's the deal. There's this expectation that, hey, you guys can handle like a teaching, like you can hear God's word. Can I get an amen? amen. Does everybody feel mature enough? <laughs> okay, so here we go. So, so I'm going to be kind of, sh- I'm going to be dropping some stuff on you this morning. This will be a great Sunday morning for you to take some notes. You may have questions. Normally on Sunday mornings for all of my first time friends, our guests, We normally break into cadres. We have tents spread out all over around here. And after I teach, you go into those cadres and you kind of discuss, well, all of our cadre leaders are gone on spring break. And so we will be back in cadres next Sunday. So normally I'll teach for about 20 minutes. Then we'll break into groups and we'll discuss the message. This morning's going to be a little bit different, obviously, because of our interns all on spring break. Okay, so if you're ready, say amen. Amen. If you're ready, say I'm ready ready to hear from God. All right, here we go. All right, so, so God defines or describes himself as holy. What does holy mean? What comes to mind whenever you hear holy? Just shout it out. Come on. Talk to me. Set apart. Different. That's what I'm looking for. All together different. Brendan nailed it on the head here. All together different. So whenever God begins to tell, him, tell us who he is, he says, hey, I'm all together different from anything or anyone you've ever known, seen, heard, experienced, or encountered. I'm totally different. I am God. I'm Yahweh. I'm Jehovah. And so with that kind of, with that thought in mind, because God is holy, because he is different, there's a certain way in which we relate to God. We kind of respond to him a little bit differently than we respond or kind of relate to anyone else on the face of the planet. Why? Because he's holy. And holy means altogether. All right, we're learning something this morning. So in the culture of honor, that's what we're working on creating. And this series was kind of birthed out of our hearts as youth pastors that we would have an atmosphere or an environment where God is actually honored. Because there's so many places where God is dishonored. Can I get an amen? amen? Those of you who go to private and public schools, can you say amen to that? Amen. God is continuously dishonored. So many times you sit in your class or sit at lunch or those of you who are involved with different sporting clubs and, and, and different extracurricular activities, I'm sure you've been exposed to some moments where God was dishonored or disrespected. And we just feel like from the Lord, not here, not now, <laughs> not as long as there's breath in this body. He will be honored. Can you get an amen? amen? 
great, you're doing good. And so, so culture of honor, I really want us to understand here. Culture, so let's define these words, culture. Culture, if we're going to define it, we just mean it's a set of shared attitudes, our values, our goals, practices that characterize an organization. It's a set of shared attitudes. So shared attitudes. So we all kind of feel the same attitude. We all kind of carry the same values. And we have lots of goals that are the same and practices that characterize an institution or an organization. For our purposes, it's our youth ministry. So culture, okay? Culture, the set of shared attitudes or the set of shared attitudes, values, goals, and practices that we deem acceptable as a group of people. We say, this is what's acceptable here. This is our culture. Everybody understand that? So there's various cultures all across the world. There's different cultures that are connected to different races and ethnicities of people. There's different national cultures. There's Hispanic culture. There's African-American culture. There is, you know, there's European culture. There's French culture. All different things. And what we mean by that, it's kind of like this is what's generally accepted. We all kind of agree on this particular thing. This is the way we act. This is the way, this is what's acceptable and this is what's not acceptable. So that's what we mean by culture. Everybody get it? Say amen. Amen. Sweet. Okay, honor. I want to define honor just so we're crystal clear because at the end of this series, even at the end of today's message, I believe that every single one of you are going to be faced with a choice. One of two ways. Either to be a part of this and say, yes, amen, I'm all in. I want to be a part of creating a culture of honor for the presence of God in DSM, or I don't want to do that. But I want to make it crystal clear so there's no confusion what you're doing. Amen? It's going to be a great day, you guys. All right, so by honor, honor, we define honor as to regard with great respect. To regard with great respect. Not just, oh, that's cool. If you respect someone, what, who are some people in your life that you would say you respect? Just shout it out. Come on. Some of you said me. Who else? Uh, Dan Perkins. That's our intern pastor. Somebody said my parents. I respect my parents. Somebody else? Teachers. Some coaches. Respectable. Cool. Okay, great. Now, no, no, no. Let me ask you this. And this will be that, your favorite kind of question, the one that you don't have to respond to, rhetorical Who are some people or who is it that you could honestly say, I greatly respect? Just think about it. It's rhetorical, so don't answer. I greatly respect. And you can call, like you can see the difference in someone like maybe some of your friends you respect. But whenever it comes to different people, you say, oh no, I have a great deep sense of respect. To honor, by definition, is to greatly respect someone or something. Everybody, that makes sense to everybody? Cool, so I'm going super slow because again, I want it to be crystal, crystal clear. Honor. So we put it together. Culture of honor just simply means one of our shared sets or one of our shared attitudes or values is to regard God's presence with great respect. To regard... God's presence with great respect. Not just, oh, we think he's cool 
and He's nice. But to regard God's presence with a great and a deep sense of, okay, we're we're in God's presence. So I act and I respond a little bit differently as if I were, uh, or differently as opposed to being in the presence of your friends or your family even, or even your parents, or even your teachers, or even me. There's a difference. He is to be held, his presence is to be held in a great deep sense of respect. Amen? And some of you say, well, Pastor Braden, everybody knows this. I mean, seriously, when it was first grade or something? No, 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 no. You don't get it because your behavior is a reflection of what you believe. You can tell me you believe something all day, but if your behavior doesn't align with it, you're lying. So let's apply that to this. Pastor Brandon, I mean, greatly respect God's presence. We got that. I mean, I learned that 10 years ago. I mean, God's holy and no, 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 no. Because there are certain things, there's a certain way that we act in his presence whenever we hold him with deep regard and great respect. And we're going to look at some of those things today through scripture, through the word of God. Anybody excited about that? And for some of you, this is just going to be a great, resounding encouragement. I mean, you got it. You are, you are deeply respecting God. For some of you, even that are talking now in this section, this will be like a rebuke. This will be like a, this will be like a conviction. This will be like, oh, I guess I need to like change this. It's kind of, I mean, it's, it's sort of a big deal. Amen? Thank you very much. This is not the Sunday you want to talk while I'm preaching, I promise you. Psalm 89.7. Psalm 89.7. It says, God is to be greatly, or is God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be held in reverence by all those around him. I'll read it for you again. You may want to write it down. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Psalm 89, verse 7. God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be held in reverence by all of those who are around him. We're going to pray real quick. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is powerful, that it is uplifting, but at the same time, it is convicting. It shows us when we're wrong. It strengthens us when we're weak, and it shows us the way to live the best life possible. Thank you for your word today. Thank you for open hearts and open ears to hear what your spirit is saying to us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. I'm going to read it one more time. Psalm 89, 7. God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be held in reverence by all those around him. Now, I want us to just kind of, and again, sometimes I preach around here, sometimes I just kind of talk. This morning, I just kind of want to spend some moments teaching you a couple different things. Whenever we say God's presence, whenever we say the presence of God, there's two different, primary, primarily, there's two different types of God's presence that we're referring to. Okay, again, I'm telling you, this Sunday, we're going a little bit deeper than what we normally do. All right, so whenever we say the presence of God, there's two main types, main ways that God expresses this, okay? There's different meanings of God's presence. There is what we call the omnipresence of God. What does omnipresent mean? 
Always present, everywhere, at all times. Very good. Always present, everywhere, at all times. So present, everywhere, at all times. So that's whenever we, that's what we mean whenever we refer to the omnipresence of God. Omni means everywhere. Presence obviously means present. Present. He is there. He's everywhere at the same time at, at all times, like for all of eternity. So God is omnipresent. Everybody say omnipresent. So God's everywhere. I mean, he is like in India right now. He is in Africa. He is in Europe. He's in Asia. And he's right here with us. He's in heaven. He fills the heavens. He fills the whole earth. Okay? The Bible says that the whole earth is filled with the glory of God. God is everywhere. That's God's omnipresence. Everybody agree with that? All right. So we're all on the same page here. So there's something we call the omnipresence of God. Again, God's omnipresence being in all places at all times. But then there's something different. That scripture teaches us old and new and by way of our experience. And we just call this, maybe you've heard this before, majority of you probably haven't, the manifest presence of God. Everybody say manifest. manifest. All right. So the word manifest just simply, it simply means to bring out into the open, kind of to, to show And so what we mean, so there's God's omnipresence, and then there's God's manifest presence. And what we mean by that, the manifest presence of God is the almost tangible presence of God in which his power is expressly made known. So the almost tangible, it's almost like whenever 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 we talk about being in the presence of God, It's like this thing where many times you can feel him, but sometimes you can't. But he is present in such a way, maybe your heart is warmed. Maybe there's tears in your eyes a little bit. Maybe there's quiet voices and whispers that you hear from God in your heart. Whatever the way, doesn't matter. But it's it's the presence of God to the degree that you know he is here. How many of you have been at Desperation Conference before? All right, so many times, many times in conferences or even like on DSM, some Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights, there's been moments where you feel like, oh my gosh, if it, eyes closed in worship. There's moments even at home where I felt like God's presence was so real. I felt like if I opened my eyes, I would see angels. I would see a throne. I would just like see him. There's moments whenever you enter into a place of worship where you're just giving your all to God. And it's like, you know that God's there. Sometimes whenever we're worshiping, it's like, man, I don't feel a whole lot. But God's manifest presence many times will carry with it the sense of knowing that God is here. I've been with God. This happened many times in the Old Testament. One in particular was, is whenever the presence of God was on the top of Mount Orb and Moses goes up. And whenever he comes back down, the people say, gosh, Moses, you have been in the presence of God. Because your face is literally shining. I see your halo. I mean, that's what they were saying. Like, I see, like, there's a halo, like this glow around you, Moses. And you have been with God many times over. Elijah, many of the prophets, many times David and the priests were in the manifest presence of God. That's what we mean. Whenever Jesus took Peter, James, and John on what we call the Mount of Transfiguration, And the Bible says the glory of God came down 
And there was this bright, shining light on Jesus' face. It was the manifest presence of God. So everybody get the difference. Whenever we say, here in your presence, we are undone. We're singing God here because God's everywhere, right? But we're saying right here, right now, God, your presence is here. We are undone. We are changed. Does that make sense, everybody? Whatever singing Corey Asbury songs, Shekinah glory come down, release the fullness. What we're saying is, God, send your manifest presence because it's in your presence where your power is made known to us. Everybody get the difference? Everybody got it? So manifest presence. And that's what we are. That's what we chase after. That's what we pursue. God, sing your presence. Because it's in your presence. That's what David was talking about in Psalms. In your presence, all things are made new. Again, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. In your presence, I am complete. And so when we're worshiping, it's almost like we're going up a mountain saying, God, I praise you. Lord, I love you. Lord, God, you mean the world to me. And all of a sudden, we've entered the manifest presence of God where his voice almost becomes real to us. We can sense him touching our hearts, speaking different truths to us. Hey, you need to change this. Hey, you, hey I love you. Sometimes he just calls us into his manifest presence to tell you, hey, I love you. I've got a plan for your life. Stop acting crazy. Come live your life for me. It, your life makes so much more sense. Whenever, that's whenever you hear the gentle whispers of God. It's in his manifest presence. Amen? All right. So that's the presence of God. So from here on out, whenever I'm making the reference to the presence of God, presence of God, presence of God, I'm not talking about the only presence of God where God's everywhere at the same time. I'm talking about the presence of God to the degree, to the degree where his power is made known. Amen? All right. This is deeper, guys. I think you can handle it. All right. So purpose of DSM gathering. The reason why we come together on Sunday mornings, believe it or not, it's not just to play tetherball. It's not just to play soccer. It's not just to play count them up or, you know, or even just to see cool lights or fog or hear really good instruments or hear really good voices or hear a great message. No, no, no. The reason why we gather both on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings is to come together as one family and enter into the manifest presence of God. That's whenever your friends will fall on your on their knees and say, gosh, I am not living for Jesus. And I realize that I've been living wrong. What must I do to know Jesus? How do I have a relationship with him? How do I, how do I live out his plan for my life? It's in his manifest presence. That's whenever their hearts begin to be stirred. And there's this revelation. There's a, there's a realization that, gosh, God is real. And he wants to be the Lord of my life, not me. It's in his manifest presence. So many times we're students and even it's my own testimony. It's in his manifest presence whenever, gosh, we feel a sense of calling, purpose. Man, this is what God is calling me to do. This is who God has called me to be. So again, the purpose of DSM, we want to have fun. We want to have a great time. We do all of that. But the high purpose is to enter. It's to create an environment where you and your friends can come into the manifest presence of God. So we can be changed. Amen? 
If you want entertainment, you play video games. You can get entertainment at home. You can get entertainment from your television. What your television won't give you or your video games won't give you is the presence of God. Yeah. Catch that? Yeah. What, 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 your extracurricular activities, what they will give you a sense of, man, accomplishment and what good grades at school will not give you is the presence of God. It's the hope of glory, as Paul says, that we have living in us. Amen? So that's the whole purpose. That's the, that's the big deal. If we don't do that, then we fail. If I don't teach you how to enter the manifest presence of God, I failed as a youth pastor. I'm a horrible youth pastor. If I don't accurately teach you, hey, this is how you enter to God's presence. This is how you live in his presence daily. This is how 10 years from now, you still enter into God's presence and you receive fullness of joy and you receive peace in your heart. Whenever hard times come, you know where to go. You know how to get to the mountain. You know how to get to his presence. Amen? That's what we're talking about. And so creating this culture of honor, the goal is to get you and your friends to encounter the presence of God every Wednesday, every Sunday. And here it is, the power of worship, you guys. Pure worship. Pure worship. Real worship. Authentic worship attracts the manifest presence of God. I'm going to drop manifest. You know for the rest of this message, when I say the presence of God, you know what we're talking about, right? All right, many of you know it before. That's one thing you learned. That's great. Pure worship attracts the presence of God every time. Every time. He says, oh gosh, that moves my heart. Whenever you authentically worship me, from your heart, you bring your very best, your song of whatever, your prayer of worship, your hands lifted. Maybe some of you are on your knees, and you're welcome to do all of those things to express your worship to God. But the Bible says God will never, He'll never reject you in moments of worship. No, 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 no. On the contrary, it attracts His presence to you. Amen? This is why worship is such a big deal for us. And it'll make more sense as we go on in this in this message and even in this series, again, creating a culture of honor. Specifically today, I want to talk about honoring God's presence. Worship is a gift from Jesus. It's his providing you a direct line of access to his presence in any place at any moment. Worship is a gift from Jesus. His providing you a direct line of access to his presence in any place at any moment. You can be at school, you can go into the bathroom, you're having a bad day, or you go behind a tea building or in a hall, wherever, you get somewhere alone, and you begin to authentically worship Jesus, and I promise you, his presence will come every single time. If you're going through a hardship, you receive some bad news at home, maybe parents are feuding, or maybe you found out a grandparent died, or a cousin, whatever, you go into a moment where you begin to authentically worship Jesus. God, I thank you for who you are. I receive your love right now in this moment. I love you with all of my heart. Come, Lord Jesus, send your presence to me now. Every time, you guys, he will come. He is faithful, and he never violates his word. Amen? All right? This teaching here this morning access to his presence. But here's the deal. There is a condition to God's presence. We must honor him. 
What is honor again? What does honor mean? Come on, greatly respect. To greatly respect. To hold at a high regard and a high esteem. That's the kind of youth ministry we want to be. That's the kind of group we want to be. Psalm 89.7, again, that's the main verse this morning. It leads to the idea that God must be held with honor, in a place of honor before he'll share his presence, manifest presence with us. So here's the deal. If God is not honored, he will not show up. Period. End of story. Does that make sense everybody? If God is not honored, he will not show up. Period. End of story. If he's not honored. I'm so glad you asked for verses and scriptures. Show that. James 4, 6. God opposes the proud, but favors the humble. Psalm 51, 17. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. Brokenness will lead to a place of honor because you realize that, gosh, God, even if my family has lots of money and I'm super smart, or if we don't have a lot of money and I'm not so smart, I need you. I Honestly, I need you, God. Every day of my life, I need you. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and a repentant heart, oh God. So here's the deal. I want to show you just one place in Scripture where there is dishonor of God's holy presence. And before, yeah, so once God appointed Moses, Old Testament here, once God appointed Moses to be the prophet of, of Israel, he also assigned uh, Moses' brother, right, Aaron, as the high priest. And this meant that Aaron had the distinct privilege of offering up sacrifices to God. He had the, he had the high privilege of, of offering up sacrifices to God. It was a task that priests and only priests could execute. So Old Testament, there was, you, there was a special condition to come into God's presence, manifest presence. It was through this way of a tabernacle and all these different things. I, won't, I don't have time to go into the details, but suffice it to say, priests were pretty special guys because they got to go into the presence of God at a level that nobody else in the whole world could experience at, in that day and age. So it was a big deal. It was a high, high calling. And so whenever they would enter God's presence, there was a certain protocol. There was a way. There were sacrifices that had to be offered up to God. And it had to be a specific way. So, so God also appointed Aaron's sons to be trained as priests to offer up holy sacrifices to God. Two of Aaron's sons ignored their training and their duties as priests. Their names were Nadab and Abihu. Everybody say Nadab. And say, Abihu. Great. Let's learn about Nahab and Abihu. We can learn a valuable lesson from them. Leviticus chapter 10. Probably the first time that you're even reading the book of Leviticus. We don't spend a whole lot of time there. But it is so relevant to us here today as it talks about worship. All right, here we go. Luke 10 verse 1. Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it. They put incense on it and they offered, everybody say, profane Everybody say profane. profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So were they obeying or disobeying? All right. Profane means showing disrespect. Disrespect or contempt for something that's sacred or holy. 
Okay, so these two priests were basically treating that which was holy as something that was common. They had like this, they had this idea that it was just, well, just no big deal. I mean, I'm a priest, my dad's a priest, my uncle is Moses. He's a major prophet. He's a big deal in Israel. I mean, I can do whatever I want. I mean, I have a special connection to God. I mean, come on. It's not that big of a deal. God told us to offer up sacrifices this way. I don't really want, I don't really want to do that. I think I'll just grab a center and kind of put whatever I want, and I'll just offer that up to God. Love you, God. That's what Nahab and Abihu did. It was almost like this kind of rolling their eyes like, Hey, we're in God's presence. It would kind of be like them responding saying, what's the big deal? Seriously? Well, let's read on. Let's see how big of a deal it was to God. Verse 2. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them. And they died before the Lord in his holy presence. Yeah, big deal. See, these two sons of Aaron were instantly judged for their disrespectful behavior for the manifest presence of God. They didn't get special treatment because they were related to Aaron or Uncle Moses. You see what I'm saying? They were expected to honor God's presence. Moses' reply after they were devoured, listen to this, verse 3. And Moses said to his brother, Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I must be regarded. As holy. And before all the people, I must be glorified. So Aaron held this peace. There was nothing left for Aaron to say. You see, nothing has changed as it relates to the presence of God as New Testament believers, you guys. God still demands honor. Honor is something that is so lost in this culture. And I'm just saying, listen to this youth pastor, we have to get it back. We have to learn how to honor God. And you'll figure out even in the series, which will continue on Wednesday nights from here on out. We've got to learn what does it mean to really honor God? What does it mean to honor your parents? It's, it's more than just kind of like whenever your parents tell you to do something, you say, yeah, and you roll your eyes and you stump away and you get it done. And you say, well, I got it done, so I honored them. No, you've missed it. And many times we, we kind of do the same thing to the presence of God. We so flippantly, during worship, we pull out our cell phones, we'll send a text message, we'll tell a joke to a friend, we'll traipse in and out, running in and out of the sanctuary, we'll do whatever to be a distraction, and it's dishonor. It's dishonor. That's why it's a big deal. It dishonors his presence. We get more of his presence. God will do more among us. We'll see more of your friends radically transformed by God's power the more that we honor him. We treat him as the big deal. We hold him in a high regard of respect and esteem because he is God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He says, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Whom of you can build a house for me to dwell? But I have chosen to come and dwell among you anyways because I love you. But I am demanding that you honor me. It's a big deal. Now, I know this is a little bit different from our nice little fluffy idea of God. And he's just so sweet and kind. And he just, I'm his favorite one in the whole universe. 
Ah, I've got a gold star in my head. All of those things are true, but not at the expense of God saying, I'm, I will be held in a place of honor. Does that make sense to you? It's okay that you're real quiet this morning. I'm okay with that too. Because some of us need to kind of think about this. And again, for some of you, this really is just an encouragement like, oh, thank God I've been doing this right. Oh, it is a big deal. Oh, it is a big deal that I am not distracting my friends and that I'm not running all around or cutting cartwheels during worship or telling jokes or pinching my friend on the shoulder and all of that. Yeah, it is a big deal. And so for some of you, this is, thank you for what you're doing. Continue to lead in honoring God's presence. The more you do it, the more your friends will do it. The more you do it, the more of God's manifest presence we will see. We will see his glory. He will pour out his spirit. Amen. 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 Now, for some of you who are just like, I am not trying to drop dead and have fire come and consume me. I am human, Pastor Brandon. I am 13 and my attention span is oh so small. You don't even understand. I got to take my Ritalin, my whatever and whatever else because I have ADHD. No, 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 no. You've missed the point. I'm not calling you to a place of fear because you can never fear. You can never love of God that you're afraid of. So let's balance this out. What I am saying is to the best of our abilities. And when we mess up, we repent. We say, God, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't know. But what I'm doing for you this morning, I'm removing from you the excuse of, well, I didn't know it was a big deal. I mean, huh? No, no, you can never, ever say that again. <laughs> ever. <laughs> 30 years from now. You can't say that. Because I'm showing you in Scripture, it's a big deal. What I mean by honor is to the best of your abilities, you say, you know what, God? I'm going to respect you greatly. I mean, like, I'm going to think about ways this week that I, that I hold God at a deep place of respect and honor. Not just when we're together, but specifically we're talking about whenever we're together in, cult, in, in uh, corporate worship. We will not be allowed into God's presence with disrespectful attitudes towards him. It just doesn't work that way. See, when Nadab and Abihu and the worship team can come as we prepare to close here this morning, what Nadab and Abihu did was no different from what some of us do today. I mean, seriously. And how, and how some of us often treat the presence of God. Talking to our friends during worship or pulling out cell phones or pulling out a book to read during worship. We, we see no big deal in sitting when asked to stand out of respect for God being worshipped. If not by us, then by others around us. And all I'm saying is it's a big deal to God. We'll casually skate in and out of worship due to side conversations with our friends or, or those frequent quote-unquote bathroom breaks. And it's dishonor and it'll get you nowhere. It's not funny. It's not cute. It's not cool. It's not becoming on you. You're called to honor God. And if you don't believe me, let me just show you in Scripture as we prepare to close here. 1 Peter 2.9. Listen, because I want to tell you, you have the same calling as Nahab and Abihu. Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, who were called to offer up priests, priestly worship and sacrifices to God. You have the same calling, according to 1 Peter 2, 9. It says, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You, you, DSM, you on the back row and you on the front row, you are royal priests. Did you catch that? You're a priest, a holy nation, God's very own 
possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he has called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Do you see your calling is kind of a big deal? Do you see that your purpose is kind of a big deal to God? Because you can kind of listen to that story to say, well, that was Nahab and Abihu. I mean, I don't even know how to pronounce their names, Pastor Brandon. How is that relevant to me? How is that relevant to my generation? What I'm telling you, it's relevant because God expects for you to be his priest. Once he has filled you with his spirit, it's the same calling. Offering up praises to God. Honorable praises and sacrifices to God. Would you stand to your feet with me today? And we're just going to pray. We're going to spend a moment here. And this is what I want us to do. It's a big deal, you guys. And if you have questions about this, we're going to be talking about this for multiple weeks. Again, the big deal isn't for us to be afraid of God. Oh, no, fire's going to come from an altar and consume me. No, 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 you missed it if that's what you're thinking about. The big idea is that all of us can take some extra steps in holding God's presence in a great place of esteem. You start with honoring God. If you can honor and respect His presence, you can honor and respect spiritual authorities and and authorities at home and your mom and dad and, and, and teachers and coaches because you begin to make the connection. I honor God. I honor His presence by even honoring those around me. Amen? Cool. Every head bow, every eye closed this morning. And I want us to do this very quickly. Every head bow, every eye closed. If there is anything in your heart that says, gosh, I have really been a bit dishonoring to God's presence, but I don't want to be. That honestly hasn't been my intention. But now that truth has come to me through God's word, I need to repent. Like, I need his forgiveness. That's you. I want you to lift up both of your hands to heaven right now. And you can receive forgiveness for your dishonor to God's presence. Again, every head bow, every eye closed. This is a moment where this doesn't need to be public. This needs to be between you and Jesus. But I want you to lift up both your hands and you say, gosh, I've been very dishonoring to God's presence. And I want to change that because I want to see more of his glory in my life. I want you just to repeat this prayer. Father, I thank you for showing me truth today. I repent for my dishonor of your presence. I want to hold you with great respect in my heart. Give me more of your presence, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. They've got a vision and a mission for their life.